Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together, that's my shit together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Bonnie, Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures down 31. Actually, the Junes are down thirty-one fifty. We're going to have no more no more marches after the open today. Today, so we're going to be the the sperms today, the SPMs, not the spoos, the SPMs. The because uh, every every month in the in the uh, commodity world has a has a letter to it, and uh, just so happened when the S and P's first came out uh, in well the OEX pit where I was, the the month happened to be September, which is the U. So they became the spoos, hence the name. Uh, if ever anybody ever on the trading floor, you, say, you don't say where the S and P futures were spoos. They know exactly what you're talking about. Nasdaq futures down 108. Uh, tournament games here. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. Oh, I just so there I was, St. Patrick's Day, eating a corned beef sandwich at the Tripoli with some very nice people. Uh, Celebrating the fact that what two years ago was the day the music died when they closed all the bars and restaurants, and watching Kentucky lose, can there be a, a better combination? You know, every time Kentucky loses an NCAA tournament game, an angel gets its wings. I, I think so. Plus, who the hell do they lose to? For God's sake, the uh, we were we were asking around. Nick Nick said they were from uh, was upstate New York, someplace. Who the hell is St. Peter's? St. Peter's is, uh, I think it's North Jersey. Somewhere out east. Whatever. One of those kind of guys. Yeah. They, they you know, they, they pop up, um, oh, like on Notre Dame's December schedule. Other teams, you know, other major teams. They're one of those teams that has to go barnstorming around the, uh, country, play in other, uh, in major conference teams' arenas and get a payday to fund their basketball program. Well, you know, the weird part of it was they didn't look outmatched. It wasn't like, they had one guy winging in threes. I mean, it looked to me like they were rebounding with them. They were everything with them. Well, I don't, I don't know their roster specifically or much about any of their players. But if they are a typical um, team from that level, that you know, kind of what they always refer to as mid-major, but there's you know a lot of low majors as well. Um, that uh, one of the things they get is they get some very talented guys who went off to larger schools that didn't work out for them, and they transfer back home. And uh, and you see that at a lot of um, you know a lot of the lower level Division One schools where they have guys that have a lot of talent, and they may not be uh, Big Ten stars or ACC stars or, or anything like that. But when you get them in their conference, they're pretty darn good players, and they get a chance to to play, to get old, to the team to. Get old together and get experienced together, and and those guys, yeah, they came out looking confident. Um, they they knew what they were doing. What um, isn't that essentially what put Loyola on the on the track a few years ago? That they had one really good player that had played in high school with a couple other guys that went elsewhere and didn't work out, and they all came back to play with him and kind of formed a team. 
Yeah, you see those kinds of things uh, all the time, um, and you know it. It really it, it it is. You know, we talk a lot about transfers in in uh, in, in college basketball, and you can think of all the high profile uh, people that transfer around. But when it gets right down to it, uh, this this transfer process works out really well for the guys who you know maybe uh, left high school with dreams of uh, of big time. And now they're what they're back doing is they're they're playing. Uh, you know, you, you sort of get to that mindset, and you know this as, as even a softball player. You play at the high, highest level of competition uh, where you can for as long as you can. And in this case, the highest level of uh, competition is at a, at a lower level conference. But they're, they want to do it. Maybe they'll wind up playing professionally in Europe. Maybe not. Um, maybe he'll wind up playing on a really good rec league, you know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but people who who like who are athletes like to you know they want to play at, as long as they can and and be challenged at what whatever the appropriate level is. I'm looking forward to a couple of games this summer. So yeah, but well, not at any kind of real level. Just you know, just there. <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know we played at, at competitive levels. I played, yeah. you know, it, you know, I, I, obviously we played together some. But I played a lot on the north side at uh, you know at some of the best leagues, like the Portage Park League is an example. And um, you know those, uh, you know, it was the same thing. You just you know you want to you want to be challenged. You want to you want to compete with the, the best players you can find. And you do that in some of the tournaments too. Well, there's no greater feeling. Than to beat a team that you know ringed up for you, is that, is that a strictly Chicago term, Matt? Do you know what we're talking about? When we say ringed, ringed up, ringed up, ringed like, like take care of them kind of thing. No, 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 no. Ringed up is get other players that aren't normally on your team uh, for the big games. I see, I see. Brought in see, ringers, yeah, brought in ringers. That's it, got to be a totally a Chicago term. Just saying. But, uh, Could be. I don't know that I've heard it anywhere else, but I don't know that I would have heard it anywhere else. I think I've heard it on the streets, like like ring your bell, like I'm going to hit you. Oh, well, that's I've that, heard that, that more often. Yeah, that that you could. <laughs> you you hear that a lot, Matt? <laughs> ring your bell. In the loop, mainly in the loop. And then in I'm going to ring your bell, Matt. <laughs> yeah. The trading floor. They used to say, "Dot your eye." No, same thing. Well, so, uh, no anyway, joy. Yeah, really good day. You know, it's, it was kind of mundane. The, the early games were kind of mundane, and then all of a sudden, late afternoon, it kicked in, and then there were a bunch of good games in a row. No, no a joy in the yesterday. Well, no joy in the Weber household with Iowa getting her ass kicked by Richmond. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. the uh, The Big Ten was such hot stuff, and the uh, uh, and the um, uh, ACC was uh, going to be so bad. And uh, it seems to me that so far, anyway, the ACC hasn't lost, and the Big Ten's one and three. I had a, I had a text my uh, buddy Bill Murphy, but the because he's a huge Marquette fan, he played. Actually, he played football up there until they didn't have a team, and then uh, he ended up boxing for him. He used to have intercollegiate boxing, I guess. When did that, when did that end? Sixties? Uh, I don't know. But uh, oh my goodness, uh, late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, he, so he was a. But, uh, but there, there was a story behind that. Actually, somebody somebody was killed in the ring, and that's why they. Uh, oh, uh, they, well, that'll do it. The movement that that fueled the new movement to uh, uh, to cut it out. Well, he was very nervous about a Marquette playing North Carolina, and I said, you know, those guys didn't look that good when the Irish played. And plus, Marquette is still has what ten freshmen on the roster, so they're let's say they're at least a year no, away. No, it's twelve freshmen and sophomores. 
Okay, but whatever it is, it's a very young and, team. And then their best, and then their best player is a grad transfer from Maryland. That's right. And I, but they 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 got clobbered. Who, who exactly is CO oh, State? I think that's. I think Marquette is the one team that has to look at yesterday and say, well, we just didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. They, just, <laughs> they were just. I think they were they were staring at the sky. They're all too young. But uh, give them next year. What about what about Michigan? Who 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 exactly is CO State? I should know these places. I don't know where they are. Colorado State. But it's Colorado State. Michigan uh, with the yeah, coach. Colorado State. Now the coach is back, right? Yeah, he's he's back, he's back for postseason. All right, so you think Michigan might make a little move? Who they have to, well, they're in the same spot, kind of the average. Well, they, they have the talent to it. Michigan's Michigan's had a very disappointing season. Um, it, you know, not a, not a great record or anything like that, but they have the talent to be very good. So you never know. You put it together for a few games, and uh, and and they absolutely are in a position where they could do some damage. Well, after watching uh, St. Mary's... I don't Mary's, have to like that, though, do I? No. After St. Mary's uh, t- took apart Indiana, I'm thinking maybe this Gonzaga is as good as everybody says they are. Because they look pretty good. Gonzaga's pretty good. Although, you know, although their game was a contest, they wound up pulling away in the last, you know, maybe eight minutes. But that game was close right up until then. Um, and then they wound up winning by, I think, 21 points. Yeah. Um, all right, we talked about all the good stuff. So what time are the Irish at? Uh, they are playing at, let's see, they are playing at uh, 4.15 Eastern, so 3.15 Central. Hmm. Geez, right when I'm supposed to be over at the club in the swimming pool, I might have to trade might, the club for the bar. You right? might have to get a floating TV, or you <laughs> might have to skip the workout. I might huh? have to skip the workout. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to figure... Tough call. i got to do the body sculpting, as they say. Uh, e. Um. Well, that's that's the way that. What did you think of the trade of the Packers? And by the way, what did uh, what did Aaron Rodgers do when he got this forty-five million contract? I should have asked Lulich yesterday. And like two days later, they adjusted somehow. It only counts twenty-five against the salary cap. Do you have any idea what they did? Well, it, it, um, it's it's how they how they go about paying him in the duration. You're allowed to. You're allowed to have upfront guaranteed money, and then you're allowed to spread the cost of the contract evenly over the term of the contract. What happens, though, is, and I, I don't remember how many years his is, but say say you do a hundred million for uh, for uh, for four years, so it's twenty five million a year, and and then uh, uh, but you give them fifty million right up front, it still only counts twenty five. The problem is if you go and and cut them loose next year, uh, at the end of the year, and you paid fifty, and then maybe another oh, um, uh, say you pay them. Uh, if we did fifty up front, that leaves fifty, and fifty over three years is is not easy math, but uh, but fifty one is. So maybe you give them forty nine and fifty one, and three and the fifty one goes uh, one. Uh, you give them seventeen million next year, and that leaves. Um, a really big hit the next year, the year after that, because then you have to accelerate everything in there. So you would, they would take a big cap hit of something, you know, like in the thirty or four or million or so range, and, and wouldn't even have Aaron Rodgers. So that's, you know, it, at the end of the contract, he either has to serve out all four years, or you're going to take a hit when he got when he stops playing. Well, yeah, I, I, we're, this football, and, and again, you guys know more about it than I do, but that level, but. It seems to me that the pendulum always kind of swings, Kevin. 
and and clearly when you get into the the Super Bowl slash you know and the, uh, pl- the late into the playoffs, it's it seems like the teams that have the most elite quarterbacks are the guys that you know you get the one minute drill and you win and it's, and it's spectacular and they make all the commercials and everything. They're and I sort of like I can't debate that okay at that level, but in order to get there, you have to have the rest of the guys, and if you and if you play if you pay your quarterback forty percent of of the team money, you're not going to get there. I, I mean, that's just the the. Well, you saw what happened with them yesterday. They had to trade Devontae Adams because he, he wouldn't play for the franchise tag amount, um, and uh, and they they couldn't afford to pay him more. Well, I, I don't the uh, the franchise tag thing. The biggest problem with that is it's one year. I mean, nobody wants to get hurt in a year to franchise tag. Yeah, you can you can do it twice, but yeah, it's a one year deal. And yeah, you, you're right. He doesn't want to. He, he, he didn't want to uh, um, risk injury, um, and then and then not be able to sign any kind of a big deal contract. So I get why he doesn't want to do it. Um, if he's got a problem with it, though, his choices are not play or. Take it up, you know. Go yell at your uh, at your union people who negotiated the deal that way. Well, and then now he, now the Packers have what four picks in the first sixty or something. Yeah, they got a lot of picks. They they have to do very well with them too. Well, but but the Bears have like they, one. They, they they better get two receivers out of the deal. Yeah, but the Bears have like one, and the Packers and are they aren't and they aren't keeping equanimity of St. Brown because he signed with the Bears. Really? Is he that good? Yeah. Is, he, is he any good? He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. He's a he's a, a like a third receiver, and, and that's what he would have been on the Packers, even after acquiring new guys. But yeah, he can play a little bit. I'm still baffled though by by him. Um, not the name Equinemius, but the name Saint Brown, because I don't know who Saint Brown was. Was there really a saint who was a color? I don't know. I'm not sure. Not, I would say if you looked up the uh, the, the literature of saints, you're not going to find a Saint Brown. You're not going to find a St. Brown, nor a St. Green, nor a St. Yellow? Actually, weird story, my, my mother's name, and I, I've known, in fact, I, I dated a young lady for a long time, whose name was Gloria, and I don't know what happened between my mother's time and this girl I dated, but my mother could not be could not be named Gloria in the Catholic Church because there was no St. Gloria. So it's not a, not a saint for every name. I, I remember that when we were kids, yeah, that you, you had to pick a saint's name. Yeah. You had, you had to pick a saint's name for your confirmation name too. Who, who the hell's a Saint Kevin? Um, oh, patron saint of all things good and, and wonderful. Uh, yeah, I never, I never, never ran across him in my studies. Just saying, there's a bunch of Saint Thomases. Okay, <laughs> come a couple well, of them. I think well, I, I hadn't become a saint yet. So, you know, see, that was the deal ah. that my parents cut. Is they said, how about if we if we raise him as a saint? Oh God! Um, all right, we got to talk about the lousy stuff. Uh, Mark has had a huge week on the way up, and one of the things here, just I'll just lob this one out there, Kevin, is if anybody's been listening to here or any place, the uh, the Hang Seng market has really been unbelievable. I mean, they they were, I'm gonna I'm looking at the chart here, twenty nine thousand two eighty eight on the twenty fifth of June last year, and uh, the other day when I was talking about wow, look how low these guys are, they're down to eighteen thousand four one five, and now they've had. Which is which is what it's for God's sake it's almost was it forty five percent or something, and then now we've just they've just run up uh, three thousand in the last couple of days and they're down a little bit this morning, but uh, 
this this gyration of the SEC in these Chinese stocks here. I, mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen the. Uh, well, I keep saying that because all this stuff keeps happening that nobody's ever seen. So it's not just me. I don't think I've ever seen these kinds of gyrations, basically caused by regulatory crap that I've seen in the last few years, where you know people know it's happening, and you know it's happening at the same time when when you know people in Congress and people in Washington are trading ahead all this stuff. I I just find it unconscionable. I don't know how you stop it, but I I, I don't. Boy, oh boy, the difference between legality and morality has never been more obvious to me than right now. I just saying. I mean. You know, those, those stocks, I'm talking about the Alibaba's, the Tencent, and there's a whole list of other ones that had, uh, well, first they had, first they were listed when they should never have been listed, in my opinion. Uh, secondly, you look at them and go, this, these things are like never going to get audited or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, our guys get mad, Trump gets mad at China, and, and they start beating up on these stocks a little bit. And, uh, didn't Canada, Canada incarcerate the, the, the daughter or the wife of one of the, chairman of, the, of one of these places and for like a year so then they, they go down then they come um, back up yeah that was Huawei yeah then they come back and then I, I one of our one of our listeners Kevin uh, sent me a note it's like a couple years ago and, I, and I, I was never able to check this I don't know how you could possibly check it out but uh, his claim was that uh, and, and you know I, I I really do believe I really well, I wish I was wrong on this one I'm hoping I'm proven wrong that some people really run this government, and anybody who thinks they're voting for these people, you might be voting for somebody, but you're not. You're not voting for the guy who's going to be in charge. I mean, I, I, I really, I really, I'm, I've come to believe that. I hate believing it, but I do. I mean, I, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, this, this Huawei becomes everybody's, you know, bastard kid, right? We got to take this all out of line. Well, well, the listener said, of course we're doing that. Back back in the day that they had gotten. Some huge percentages of all the patents that that are involved in what's the what's the the new the new speed of your phones five five what five, five? I, well it's it's not the, it's not the speed it's the it's the gen, it's the uh, generation of it so five G yeah they they had a, a boatload of the patents for five G now I can't I don't check on patents but if that's true Kevin it absolutely does not surprise me that all of a sudden we're going to find them doing all kinds of bad stuff which they probably are so somebody can steal their patents. I mean, I, I mean, that's just that, that's that's the game we're playing now in, in this country in just about every every sort of area. I mean, I surely see it in my area. You know, that every little thing you do to make sure that the that the seven or eight biggest securities firms are going to be here forever and nobody else is. I mean, there's no doubt that that's that is somebody's uh, agenda, and and whoever that somebody is 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 doing fine. The uh, the, the 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 latest is. Um, if somebody switches an IRA to your firm, you have to provide that person with some sort of a, a study comparing the IRA at your place with the other IRA and how you're going to do different than the other place. How the hell do you even know what the other place is doing, for God's sake? I, mean, I, I can understand it if if somebody has an IRA at, at Schwab, say, and they charge $45 a year to, to be uh, the trustee, uh, and all of a sudden you know we, we're going to give them a new a PTI you know, a new trust, a new IRA trust, and uh, we're going to charge him like eight hundred. I, I guess I can roll with that, but the idea of, of of virtually everything else in this big document having to go to is that is that really just there to stop somebody from leaving Schwab? I mean, really? I mean, I mean I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. What? I'm not too old of a cat to get screwed by a kitten? Is that? I mean, really? 
and this this stuff is all over the place, Kevin. I don't, I don't I don't think you see it so much in your industries because it's still kind of the wild west of warehousing and all, trucking and all that kind of. Stuff. I'm not saying you're a trucker, but you know, you know what I'm saying. But once you get into these these places where it's big versus small boy, it is. That's it is right. That's been called worse, and it rhymes with it. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it is it is relentless. I can't imagine what it's like to be a small bank. You know, when these when the big guys do whatever they damn well please, and the young guys, I think, are the, the small guys. I mean, you were you were in a small bank. Did it, did it seem to get worse while you were there? No, because the ones that thrive, and and we have a few where I live um, uh, that are still local. Uh, they they tend to have large market share in a clearly you know defined and uh, and, and very specific market, and. So they, you know, you get, you, you are able to operate from a regulatory standpoint. No, I don't really remember anything excessive that nobody else had to deal with. Um, but you know, I also, uh, um, especially in my St. Joseph, Michigan days, had really supportive presidents. And so when I, you know, when I'd go sit and talk to my boss, um, if there was something in an audit as it pertains to me, and I wasn't on the. Uh, um, I, you know, I, w- I was on the compliance side. I didn't have to worry about the safety and soundness stuff, and um, well, I had to worry about it, but it, it wasn't my uh, <laughs> my area of responsibility. And uh, so, you know, if if I wanted to push back on something and say no, I'm not doing that, I, I, I generally had bosses who trusted me and were willing to uh, stand by it. And well, you, you can make the auditors back down. You know, we'll try and do that in FINRA when it's a. Uh that's how they make money by giving fines. That that that's their bonuses. And whoever, whoever, yeah, no, I get that. And that's that's a that's a really weird conflict of interest that they have. And I, you know, I don't know who would ever engineer something like that on purpose, um, but somebody did. Yeah, somebody did. I mean, they sure did. Well, what? Uh, yeah, because you know, there's enough there's enough perverse incentives built into just about everything we do anyway. Why would you design it that way on purpose? It, yeah. it just makes. You know, it, it, it's hard to believe. Kevin, uh, I'm going to shift gears on you here. we got just a couple minutes, and we'll talk about it more after the break. Look at this article. I think I might have sent it to you, but there's an awful lot of states right now. Boy, to segue in from banks to states. Um, every, everybody, I think, is somewhat aware that the uh, – and, and, and it's going to be interesting because I'm going to pull out these tax numbers after the uh, after the break. But uh, 29 states and the, and the District of Columbia – in 2021, have, have really enacted significant tax cuts, according to this tax policy. So I'm, re- I'm, I'm quoting from an article here, so I should say who did it. Uh, I, I think that we've had stuff from her before. K- K-A-T, is that Kate or K-D? K-D is K-A-T-Y, right? So Kate Dorr, she's a uh, CFP, um, and she wrote this article. It's cash-rich personal finance. Cash-rich states create competitive environment with flurry of tax cuts. Didn't, when this first happened, and this was under, under under Trump, when they sent out uh, you know, the COVID stuff, when they first started sending out the COVID stuff to people and, and sending money out to states, wasn't there some caveat there that the states that were, the reason why they were doing it is states were broke and hadn't saved money, that wasn't the caveat that you could not lower taxes because they didn't want you, because then, cause then you'll be right back in the same boat two years from now. Wasn't, wasn't that part of the deal? I, I, it, it, there, there was something about that, but I don't think it was that you couldn't lower taxes. I think it had to do, though, with application of the funds. So you couldn't apply the funds 
to your general operating uh, um, expense uh, and so that you could lower taxes. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you, you right. had to, it had to go towards specific initiatives, which could have been retraining people. It, you know, there, there's a lot of areas where it could go where your general operating funds might have gone, but uh, but I, it had to be for for specific new initiatives. I think that would that went right out the door like the buttonwood tree. I mean. Uh, you think people are playing games with this kind of stuff? I mean, Come on, Tom. The, the, the thought of you know uh, the Biden administration giving a bunch of money to Pritzker and then coming down on Pritzker for using it the wrong way, I, I, I find it, I find it laughable. I mean, I just, I mean, I, but anyway, I think the thought of giving a bunch of money to Pritzker is funny enough. Well, that's the truth. But I mean, I'm just going to when we get back, I'm just going to try and not not forever, so everybody's not you know, dozing off. But just a little bit of a connection between. How states tax versus the federal government, and how something like this really really makes a difference. Uh, SP futures down thirty three, Nasdaq futures down one sixteen. After this is after three days of huge rally, but it's just a little bit of a of a down. It seems like a lot, but thirty three points isn't these days. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. CognosHR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures down 31 and a quarter. That's the June future. NASDAQ down 107 again. The June future stock uh, down down 219. Uh, individual stocks in the Dow. I've got uh, nothing crazy. Caterpillar down a buck seventy. We got uh, Johnson Johnson down a buck eighty. Microsoft down two twenty four. Uh, uh, Visa down one forty five. So nothing, nothing nuts. So just uh, remember, every every dollar down in the Dow is is like seven seven and a quarter to the averages. So there's a big multiplier uh, there. Over in Asia, we've got. Nikkei up one, 174.6%, Shanghai up 36, 1.1%, Hang Seng down, I'm hovering a little bit, down 88.4%. We just went over the Hang Seng stuff a few minutes ago. Over in Europe, we've got DAX down 210, it's 1.5%, so it's a big move. DAX has been moving twice as much darn near every day, maybe even more than that, in the FTSE and the, the Kakaran. probably has a lot to do with their, their somewhat unique relationship to Russia with the gas and oil. Uh, FTSE down 50 points, 0.7. Gek around down 93, 1.4. By the way, that was just my opinion. I don't know what else it could be, but, uh, that, but yesterday Dow up once 417, S&P up 53, NASDAQ up 178. So that was third day in a row of uh, pretty good moves. Matter of fact, the day before yesterday was a huge move. Uh, 10 year down five basis points at 2.13. Uh, the bond minus 0.04 changed to 0.35. Japan up right up, right steady at this 0.20. It's been there like for a long time. Uh, oil up 78 cents to 103.76. The the brief move under 100 hours was just that brief. Uh, Brent up 66 cents 107.30. Natural gas down 11 cents 487. Our Bob unchanged at 321. We got gold down 250, but back up in the middle here at 1940. A pretty big move yesterday morning. It came back a little bit in the afternoon. Uh, silver down 14 cents 2570. 2547, copper up a penny, 471, and Bitcoin down 513 at 40,331. Matt, what do you got for us, Travi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's uh, currently 6.35 a.m. on March 18th. Hope you had a good St. Patrick's Day yesterday. Uh, first in sports, uh, in the NBA, uh, nothing to note last night as far as Phoenix or Chicago, but uh, tonight Chicago will be at Phoenix uh, uh, with, uh, or actually, no, that, that's tonight, uh, Chicago Bulls at the Phoenix Suns, so keep that in mind for tonight. Uh, in hockey, uh, nothing tonight, but tomorrow night, Chicago Blackhawks at the Minnesota Wild and the Arizona Coyotes at the Pittsburgh Penguins. In the NCAA tournament, tournament uh, tonight, Illinois at Chattanooga. That's all for sports right now. Currently in weather, it's partly cloudy, fully dark. Expect rain later on. Uh, currently 42 degrees, high of 44, low of 38. In Phoenix, mostly cloudy. Expect sun later on. 56 degrees, high of 83, and a low of 54. 
Current traffic in Chicago. Congestion on at 94 West from Roosevelt to West Randolph Street. Slowdown on 90 East from Lawrence to Cumberland. Slowdown on the Eisenhower from Harlem to Wedgwood Drive. And keep in mind scheduled bridge testing, uh, which will close Adams from Wacker to Canal from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. That's all we got, Chief. Well, you got to test the bridges. You don't want the guys sitting there trying to go through with their sailboats and the bridge don't work. You got to do it every now and then. Yeah, especially right before you're going to use them. It'll be a good <laughs> time. Um, Kevin, was, I'm going to kind of go through this quickly, but as everybody is probably aware, uh, and, and I'm trying to, I must have like 10 screens open here, trying to corral all these numbers. As you know, Kevin, my, uh, my, 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 my theme of the show, which nobody can even understand, nobody even knows there is one, right? Uh, is that all this stuff sort of affects everything else. Is, uh, when you have these state budget, uh, surpluses in a lot of places, um, you have the federal government allocated, and again, we should probably remember some of this, $195 billion in federal support for states. Okay, now the, what did I when I did the, the PIP program? What did I say? It was like f- like fifty billion dollars went went to the state of Illinois or some huge number. Like I should get the exact number from maybe Monday because uh, every place, everybody who's got it is listed, right? Um, so there's massive amounts of cash that is basically spilled from the federal government to the states, both in giving money to, to people and giving money to the money to the states themselves. So a lot of states have decided to. Um, cut back on some of these taxes, but and, and they're also trying to fl- fight inflation. Some uh, states are thinking about going back on the gas tax and things like that. But the uh, it says that most of the, the, the gas tax the taxes have been targeted. But you know what? But they're really into the income tax. They're not really pushing the property tax stuff, which is somewhat interesting. Uh, the uh, income t- it says here. Which well, one's easier to put back? Well, while some have been. There's been some pushes for corporate or property tax relief. Income taxes are the heart of what's going on, says Richard Auxier, Senior Policy, something-something, Urban's Brookings Tax Center. Overall, most of the tax cut proposals have been relatively modest, and a, and a number have been targeted. Okay, so they, But the weird part of all this is that when you, when you look at... Uh, I'm going to go to my, my tax. I'm trying to combine all this together in a way that people can understand what the hell I'm talking about. Um... If, if you go to the debtclock.org, I mean, when when you, when you hear people talk about the federal income tax and not everybody pays it and blah, 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 well, the, the federal tax revenue is $4.1 trillion. All right, state revenue is 2.2, local is 1.5. So basically, there's there's just about the same amount of revenue to go to state and local, maybe a little more or a little less, than go to the federal government. And generally... I'm going to say what percentage of it is, I use the term, uh, regressive. Uh, I mean, sales, sales taxes are certainly regressive, uh, uh, those kinds of things. I mean, I guess you could say that property taxes, if, if, if applied, uh, strictly on, on housing values, uh, are probably not regressive because the richer people have the richer houses. But then again, you could have bought your house you know, 50 years ago, and all of a sudden the thing is worth a bunch of money, and you don't have, and you're, and you're in Social Security, right, Kevin? So uh, it, it doesn't always work out that way. But here's a number I picked up here, it, just anecdotally. It's a, it's a new number on the debt clock. I think it's the first time I've seen it. The, the, the gross domestic product is $24 trillion. All right, uh, we're up to way more than that in debt, but that's not that's not what I'm talking about here. 
But the, uh, well, I'll throw it since I lobbed it out there. I might as well lob it out there. We're up to $30 trillion in debt, so it's blown right by. It was, wasn't really, a, was it like three years ago that the gross... Uh, Remember the, when we were appalled at 22? Well, <laughs> we were appalled when it, when the debt passed a year's gross domestic, domestic product. But here's one today. Total federal, state, and local spending. What do you think that is, Colin? Oh, I hear. What, what are we saying? That, um, what, what have we added to the debt? Uh, well, this year, the the total federal well, we've added to the debt plus the uh, uh, plus the um, the budget uh, itself. Yeah. Well, we're we're pushing a mm-hmm. uh, a two point seven trillion deficit this year, but but that's deficit. I'm talking about just the regular spending is ten trillion dollars. And I'm, I'm gonna, I boy, I've not thought of this question. Could since I be the first to say for a change? That's a number. Yeah, that's a number. So it, we're really talking 40% of all the money spent in the country now is being spent by federal, state, and local governments. And, and I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that that is not healthy, Kevin. I mean, I, I don't know what it should be, but I, I'm going to say that if you'd have given a test in an economics class at Notre Dame or Chicago or anyplace else in 1970-something, people would be appalled at that number. We're not talking about I'm sure it got there in World War II. You know, but but uh, now, I mean, what, what are we doing? I mean, I, I'm thinking the number should be like 32, 30 at the most, shouldn't you? Uh, well, yeah, and it's it, it, it just has spun out of control. More recent, well, no, it was out of control before. It's it's even, but it's worse. And you know, this is this is actually a, a notion that we considered back when they started doing all of this spending that uh the the pandemic related stuff and and that was that maybe you think if you're going to lock everybody down you're going to slow down economic activity maybe you think you need to do all that no you didn't need to lock everything down or or suspend all the economic activity but you know if if that was the important part of the policy and you had a need to spend money to help people that the problem wasn't the notion of doing that. The problem was that we've been so irresponsible over the years that we can't afford to do it now when you need to do it. And that's, you know, that's really, to me, the issue is it, it, it isn't what we're doing now. It's what we've been doing for decades. Um, yeah, I, I, but I... So there's there's two, two and then you know because because you may say the same thing maybe you need to spend in in a case of uh, of war or um, you know you you can pick any serious situation you may decide that you need you know rationally decided but if you don't have the money you're you know as the federal government I suppose you can keep creating it but everybody else in the world is just kind of screwed when that happens. Well, that's right, and and I guess. Uh, there's two two messages here, not messages, but two questions. One is the level of spending, which I think is friggin' out of control. Uh, but the other part is, I, I think when you when you when you make these kind of moves, if, if you shift from the federal government to the states, which really has happened during the COVID situation by giving well giving individuals money, wings money back at the states type of thing a little bit. But now when you when you go to get this back. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to assume, Kevin, which might 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 be a wrong assumption with with, with new uh, the new new, econ- new economics, which to me is uh, voodoo economics. 
what was what was that was that uh, Reagan or not? That was voodoo voodoo. Well, that was the elder George Bush One saying of the uh, voodoo economics yeah. uh, about his future boss at the time. So, but on, on the federal level, if you have a huge hole in your budget, all right, you're going to uh, do one of two things. I mean, because Reagan did this, he passed a big tax cut, and then a year later he had a huge tax increase. But the federal government's either going to get it through income tax, which is you know allegedly graduated, and then you got a lot of people that don't pay, and you got corporations that don't pay, and you go through all that whole mess, or it's going to be from payroll taxes, which are about as uh, you know uh, regressive as they get. All right, now you can say that they deserve to be that way because everybody gets the same amount from Social Security, everybody gets the same amount for unemployment, that kind of crap. Okay, you can do that, uh, but uh, when, when you when you shift from the the Fed being in the hole and the states being flush, you not only change the numbers, Kevin, you change the taxing dynamic. All right, so if everybody gets on their high horse and says you can't go into an economy that's, in my opinion, not doing all that well. Uh, you can't raise your income taxes, but if you raise your your, I mean, what, what, some of the states are lowering. Matter of fact, one state here I can't find which one it was went back from uh, having a graduated income tax to a smaller number and not graduated. All right, so if you take, you know, one that went from five to eight for people that made more money in the uh, in the states, and you drop that back down to a five flat tax, if you Correspond that with a raise in the income tax on the federal level, it kind of gets you to the right place. I mean, that's the same place, but not not in terms of amounts or anything like that, and who's paying what. But you know what I'm saying? It, it kind of gets you to the same place. But if you if you give money to the states and they drop all their income tax down to a flat tax of some kind, or you have an earn in, earn income tax credit, or somebody gets rid of their capital gains or that kind of stuff, and all of a sudden you fix that with a rise with an increase in Social Security tax on the federal level. You've had a major shift in progressive to regressive, which you know I'm I'm not taking sides. I'm just saying. Well, and, and right. What, what you're describing as a budgeting tactic is just a way of doing more deficit deficit spending and laundering it through the states. Well, what I'm saying is, if if you give all the money to the states, and it's not it's not the point you're making, but it's what you're yeah. describing. Right. Well, because everybody taxes differently. It's it's not just the federal is here, the state's here, and the local's here. They all have different ways to go about... I mean, if, if the city decides they're broke, which they are, and, oh, man, we're going we're to raise the sales tax to 20%, well, hell, that that is a, an amazing difference uh, and on various people of, of various income classes, right? I mean, basically, no matter... Well, you, who knows? Somebody's eating steak while somebody else's eating chicken. I get that part. But by and large, most people... You know, have to eat the same amount as somebody else, no matter how much you make, right? Well, you're going to use the same amount of paper towel, the same amount of toilet paper, those kinds of things. So those are those are regressive. So if if you trade uh, a, a cut in the federal income tax or an increase in the federal income tax from a cut in the sales tax, you're 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 making a move. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but there's there's massive not just money differences, but there's quality differences in in this mess. I mean, right now. For, for somebody, uh, I mean, we don't we don't pay anybody. Uh, we don't have temporary workers here, at PTI or anything. You know, maybe who knows? Maybe in the summer we'll hire somebody. But, uh, but by and large, if, if you get over if you get over uh, what is it, a thousand bucks, Kevin, or six hundred bucks, it's a small number. I mean, if if you have somebody 
that you pay uh, every time it snows, you pay the guy 50 bucks if you got a nice big house and it snows, you know, 20 times. Um, if, if you're, if it's just you or me and we just pay the guy cash, I guess it's no harm, no foul because we're not deducting it. But if, if your house is in the name of, of Kevin O'Neill Inc., and, and you decide to pay this guy two grand to cut your grass in your, in, in the snow, uh, and you're gonna deduct that as a cost of Kevin O'Neill Inc., who owns the building, you better send this guy a, a 1099. And if you do, the first thing the, 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 the homeless guy, the homeless guy now owes what? 15% right off the top. Doesn't matter if you make a thousand, two thousand, whatever, you're not gonna pay any income tax, but you owe, you owe 15%. Now what are the chances of this guy wanting to send the federal government 300 bucks because you paid him two grand cash and that's all he made all year, but, but he owes it. I mean, the, all this stuff gets very technical and every time you make a shift like this from one to the other, they all tax differently. And, uh, all I'm saying is you, it's, I'm, I'm trying to illuminate it. I'm not trying to make, take sides or whatever. I'm just saying it makes a big difference. Just saying, but it, it also it do, excuse me it also does serve to keep us all in the dark, so we really can't you know it's hard to criticize when you don't know what the uh, um, what the formula is. Well, because in, in the Reagan era, the inflation, and this is why you won't, you wonder like this time, I think that the inflation is here and the Fed's doing what they're doing. And by the way, Bullard, the the the, uh, the Fed guy from. Uh, uh, St. Louis said, "If we don't get to three percent this year, we're, we're nuts." Basically, uh, and I, re- I agree with him immediately, uh, and have for a long time. But if you, if you, the, the inflation back in those days, despite what what uh, Ronald Reagan, everybody's hero, said, uh, you know, and he was, they were allegedly fighting it. It helped. It helped the hell out of the federal government. Now you say, why? Why did it help the hell? Well. It helped the hell because in those days, your income taxes, those who were around in those days, uh, Matt Byrne doesn't remember this. How many, how many different tax brackets do we have, Kevin? Like 15 or something or 12? It was. Oh God, it changed like every 500 bucks. Yeah, it was like, I'm going to say every 1500. Yeah. So if somebody, when I started at Pullman, if the people in the, in the factory made, and they, these guys were getting the C, uh, the CPI boosts in their pay and the steel workers, um, so if you started at Pullman in, in, at sixteen grand when I started, and three years later, with ten percent inflation a year, pretty much. So what is that? Uh, sixteen is now you're now doing what seventeen six, and now you're doing what nineteen something, and now you're doing twenty one something, right? So you're making twenty one when I left when you're making sixteen when I got there, and the twenty one is is worth exactly the same as the sixteen was, correct? That's the whole idea of it. I'm going to say that you were paying uh, at least free tax. Yeah, I'm saying you were paying probably at least three to four percent more in taxes at the 21 level than you were at the 16 some level. So, so Reagan benefited dramatically by bracket creep, and we're seeing that a little bit now too. Here, I mean, right when what, where do you, when do you switch up to 30 some percent from 20? I mean, I'm not sure. I don't do the taxes, but the uh, same thing here. You're going to find somebody who, for some percentage of his his 10% raise last year to, to keep, if he gets one, to keep pace with inflation. If he crosses that threshold, he owes the federal government more money. So when he, when they came out with the Reagan's famous tax cut, a year later they put through a tax increase. Well, he cut income taxes, which he should have. They were too high. Uh, and I agree with that totally. But then when they went back to, to recoup those numbers, 
they increased Social Security and what else? Something else. So they went from a they, they cut the progress. Well, no, a big a big part of it was that the deductibility of consumer debt uh, went away. Yes. Mortgage stayed, but you used to be able to duck uh, um, if you were carrying uh, uh, credit card balances or had uh, personal loans. That that interest was all deductible, so that went away too. That was part of the. Uh, it was called TEFRA. Well, the uh, uh, tax equity and something or other act, and uh, uh, and the and you know it, it's that that it wasn't so much the raising the rates as as it was eliminating uh, various deductions. Well, I, I went back. Uh, God, last year we were having this debate with uh, what was what's his lose buddy's name, uh, Riati uh, or something. The guy who was doing the. Uh, he was a tax guy to the sports, the stars. We had him on a couple times. Rayola? Robert Rayola. Oh, uh, Robert Rayola. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but let's go back. Let's go back to this concept. Lou has buddies. Yeah, he, had, he has a couple. Acquaintances. <laughs> so I, I actually dug up. If you go online, you, you can get a 1974 income tax form. It used to be everything was all in there. But the weird, interesting part is if you made, say, twenty grand, you know, which was, you know, uh, it wasn't horrible in 1974 or something. If you made 20 grand, uh, you could deduct, there'd be a table. And say, okay, if you made 20 grand, this is how much somebody who makes 20 grand normally spends, uh, and then there'd be, there'd be an income, uh, there'd be a sales tax table. So say in Illinois, the sales tax is 8%. You get to deduct, you know, whatever, 800 bucks or 900 bucks towards your, from your, yeah. from or, your, or you could save all of your receipts right. for the whole year and tally them up. But if you had one big one, like say you went out and bought a car, which were only three thousand bucks, so say you paid eight percent on that, which two hundred forty, you got to add the two forty to the to the regular number because that was like an outlier transaction. So if you bought something big, you could add it to the top. Of it. I mean, these things are pretty complicated. Remember how complicated they were, Kevin? I mean, uh, it's not like they've gotten less complicated, but I mean, in terms all, of, all without computers too. Yeah, you had to do this all by hand, and uh, big, huge tables. I mean, the, ta- the tax form you used to get it in the mail was what twenty pages long. With all this, all the different, all the tables are right in there and everything, right? Oh yeah, because all the tables were right there in the back. Yeah, it was, it was something to behold. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, for an individual, then a head of household, then a married, and but yeah, it was a. Uh, just to go back and look at them, I go, wow, this is like, this is like a period piece. But what I'm saying is, when, when we when we make all these different types of uh, different transactions, like the federal government. I mean, right now, the states are relatively flush. Even Illinois has paid their most of their expenses down, right? With all this money they got from the government, and the government is is flat ass broke, right? They're, I mean, their 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 uh, their deficit per year is forty is forty percent. Well, somehow, someplace, I think a lot of the inflation right now, Kevin, is they're trying to pay you back on the borrowings with, with stuff that's worth thirty percent less than when they when they got it from you. So, I mean, I think part of this inflation is intended, and part of the the Fed's inaction is intended, because the the, the people that are going to make out the most. Are the federal government, and oh by the way, the last thing they need uh, at thirty trillion dollars, which is the deficit, I mean, it's real simple math. One percent interest is what three hundred billion dollars a year, right? So if they start paying, oh yeah, six, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be the next showdown because we're going to have a, a debt a debt ceiling uh, showdown. Just we're, we're going to have to start raising debt just to pay for the existing debt, right? And uh, not not that we aren't doing that now, but it's just going to be accelerated, and it's going to happen quickly. And so we're going to keep having these showdowns over the next few years about, oh, no, we're going to make ourselves default on the debt. Well, I mean, every, everybody, you sit there and, and you kind of cluck at that and just say, well, that 
that'll never happen. Well, back in 1977-78, the federal government was paying on average, what would you say, Kevin? I'm going to be nice and say 10. Right? Okay. All right, so... Right yep. now, right it, now, if they, if they it, had, you know, I, I don't remember if the federal was that high, but let's go with 10 because that'll be easy math. Well, I'm going to say that the 30 year got to, uh, 12, I believe. So, I, I, and the other stuff wasn't that much cheaper. Matter of fact, it was a, it was a downward slope in yield curve. So I, I think I'm being real generous at 10. So, uh, you look at the New York, the national debt, 30 trillion bucks. Well, the quick math is, if they if they start having to pay ten, that's three trillion a year. That's that is half of the spending. That would mean our our deficit would be six trillion a year. If you add it to the two point six it is now. I don't I I'm, I don't know how we even begin to do that, Kevin. Now now of course if you want to be rigorous, you're paying that interest to somebody, and if somebody's going to have it as income, so some of it's going to come back to you as taxes. So probably what. A third of it comes back at you, right? So it's, if you're, if you're paying out three trillion, one trillion comes back in taxes, so it's really only two, but, but still, it's pretty awful, right? Just saying. So what's the way out of it? See, you know, we, we can't, we can't, we don't have the collective, uh, citizenship, uh, attention span to really wrestle with issues like this, and as a result, uh, nobody sensible could, who had such a platform as to start dealing with that, um, would ever get elected because they'd be considered too boring, uh, and, and they would be continuous, uh, continuously attacked for, um, wanting to take food out of the mouths of babies and, uh, um, and, and, and you know, every emotional tug that you can get. And because we don't have citizens who are uh, educated enough in these things, because we don't do a good job in the public schools or in any of our schools of uh, educating them on these topics, we're just kind of screwed. And, you know, for you and I, we can sit in our rockers on the porch and watch it unfold and probably be fine. But, uh, I, you know, I fear for younger generations when it comes to this because they're in for some really hard times trying well, to you're, deal you're, with this stuff. You're, you're talking about... Is there is there someday going to be a default, or is the inflation going to get so high that you just say, you know, we're going to just cut the value of the dollar or do something like they had to do in Weimar? I mean, you yeah, hope, you'd hope the U.S. would and, never and, get to something and, like that. And is it possible at this point to build a glide path to to get us to something more sane? Um, I actually think there there might be, but the window is real short. Yeah, it's real short. Agreed. And, and it has to do with with. And, with, and do you see do you see anybody in the political arena? Who can articulate what that is? Could might have the plan, uh, that, or even if there there were such a good plan that could articulate it and that it would be um, accepted by voters. Well, we, um, had, we had a couple guys that made know, an effort. It's not going to be Biden. It's not going to be Harris. It's not going to be Trump. It's not. You know, I mean, we can start going down the list and and talk about who's not going to be able to do it. Well, who's the? Um, and the, those are the people who are all going to be in the in the forefront of it. Well, who, who are the two dudes that? Uh, I'll use a term from our past that isn't very. Uh, the, the two fossil fates dude they, they came out with the, what they have to do with the budget to straighten it out was it Simpson Bowles? Yeah, Simpson Bowles. We're well, talking yeah. about two guys that that nobody wants to see or talk to, huh? 
What the one you know, it's, it, it was so funny because President Obama is the one who commissioned the study yeah. and immediately discarded it. Yeah, well, what the one guy say if if uh, if we didn't piss you off, you either haven't read it close enough or we forgot about you. Something like that. What a great line, huh? SB Futures down 33, Nasdaq Futures down 112. What are your chances? Irish got, Irish got a chance? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Alabama's not, you know, I, I think Alabama's beatable. It's it's really gets to Sunday when they have to, if, the, if, the, if they are able to advance, and you'll know in the first five minutes if they're going to. Um, but if they are uh, uh, going to advance, Texas Tech's going to be the one that's uh, tough to get past. Uh, yeah, they're pretty. But good. I, I think I think Alabama they they have a good chance to uh, to take on Alabama. Well, I think we'll both be watching it. Uh, talk at you next week, Kevin. Have a good weekend. Uh, we'll be right back. Right. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. But anybody really wants to screw their mind up, I, I would advise reading the script of that song. Matt, you ever do it? You know, I tried, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard I to get through. Got a broken it? mind. It's hard, it's hard to get through it, isn't it? Yeah. It's a. Uh, there's a few like that. Uh, White Bird is one like that. I mean, this one it's a. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, what's the one? Uh, Procol Harum. Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh. Whiter shade of pale. Yeah, probably read, right. reading that one too. Yeah, in a God of the Vita, maybe. Oh God! <laughs> you know, you know, you know what? I just did. You did you just read? Do we have Mr. Carl. We do. 
Carl, how are you? You do. Do you, uh, do you know how that song in Agata DeVita ended up, uh, that's, that was the name of it? No, but, uh, that was, you know, one of those, uh, ones that I grew up with anyway. Me too, because if you were a drummer, to get through the drum solo was a real, real tough thing to do. The song was eight, 17 minutes long, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it was one of those ones that you, you listen to, uh, with, with appropriate, uh, combustibles or beverages. Yes. Um, well, evidently, when the guy first tried to sing it, he was so trashed, it was supposed to be in the garden of something. And he, and he, and he couldn't say it. He kept saying, in a god. He was, he was slurring his words so bad, they just left it like that. Yep. It was in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Like yeah. the Bible, you know. Yeah, and it became, you know, see what happens when you drink too much the day after St. Patrick's Well, Day? I don't know that that was booze, but yes. I'm not, sure it was, I'm not so sure it was booze either. It was something. SP Futures down 31, NASA Futures down 114. Uh, we've had an amazing amount of stuff this week, Carl, with different people. Lou was fascinating yesterday. Uh, well, Kevin and I just went through, uh, a lot of uh, these numbers, and I don't know if the listeners probably can't stand it because I don't really like doing it myself. When I, when I dig into these, uh, this U.S. debt clock and look at all these numbers, you know, you were on. Oh, you're on every week, but we talked f- several weeks ago when everybody, if you're on national TV now, the first thing you do is say how strong the economy is, right? Um, always, always, and it's like the genuflected a goddess of something. And I was talking about one of the most amazing numbers on this page, of which there's a bunch of them. The savings <clears throat> per family. Was pretty constant at about eight or nine thousand bucks for years. You know, we've been doing the show, we've been, and then we're after the PPP and after all the money they flashed, flashed out at people. Now we're talking about liquid cash and personal savings for all U.S. families divided by the number of U.S. families. So it's a it's a mean. <clears throat> it's not a median. So it's <clears throat> it has some issues there. But after all that money came flying out to people, Carl, this number ballooned over fifty thousand. Which would have been sometime in the middle of last year, and since then, as there's been no no more giveouts from government from government, and just raising prices everywhere, this thing has crept down like every single week to where the last time I went through this, it had to be like four weeks ago, it was down under eighteen thousand. And I mentioned mentioned that on the air. I saw this thing is down every week. Today, fourteen five. That's how fast people are blowing through their savings with this inflation, without any more money well, coming from government. Yeah, you know, I I question. So I, I I have serious questions about that statistic to start with. Well, I do too, but I'm just saying. Right. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm sure that, uh, it, and one of the reasons that I have I have such a problem with it is that uh, there's there's all sorts of games that go on at the upper end, and they're not. But they're not intended to skew the statistics. They're just the sort of planning and execution that people at the upper end have this habit of doing, especially when they see something ugly coming. Um, if you can find a way to supposedly pre-plan your stock sales and such, uh, and and not run afoul of the you know the laws related to that, you you have this habit of doing it, and so that that generates a huge amount of cash. Um, and and yet the average Joe uh, that's working a wage job, you know, he got he got his uh, his free stimmy checks, but that's all he saw. Well, I don't. I don't I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to one up you. I mean, uh, in the sense that I'm not so sure. But but don't take this wrong. You, you do this all the time <clears throat> when you look at a number, your labor numbers, 
and you know they're imperfect, but you also know they're supposed to be sort of the same every time. I, I'm sure you and I could take apart this number and find out, however they're calculated, it might might be sort of wrong. But if it's 8,000 for nine years, balloons to 55 and it comes back to 14, something's changing. But it's, it's not like it's 8 or 10 and you and I are arguing whether it should be 6 or 12, right? Right, right. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the, the thing is that it, it's, it's, it's a barbell thing, though. Okay. It's, it's, it's the basic barbell problem with statistics that, uh, you know, when, when you take something across an entire population, you have to watch out for the distortions on both ends of the barbell that make the, make the middle figure just almost meaningless. Uh, from a standpoint of the average person, I think, what it, you know, one of one of the things that comes out when people start talking about that, it's it's come up a couple of times. I've heard it, and I just kind of scoff at it. Is that, oh well, you know, it ballooned up during the middle of the pandemic because of the stimmy checks, and so you know, so now it's still better than it was. Therefore, everybody's fine. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, no. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's wrapping by the week. But I mean, in, in the same meantime, though, since the eight year ago number I gave you, 2012, was nine thousand. Well, I'm going to say 2012. If your transmission blew, it was 1,200 hours. Now it's three grand. Right. Well, that's the that's the other part of the problem is that the you know for years the Federal Reserve has come out with this report. They do it every year. There's the you know okay, what's the real level of financial stress within the American population? What percentage? If if your car blew up tomorrow and had a 500 dollars bill to fix it. What percentage of those people could just write the check? And it's it's very low, okay. by the way. But if you go up to over a thousand, it's very low. Well, and that's that's the thing is that you know I mean, and yet um, you know five hundred dollar or thousand dollar surprises, um, it, it, you know, happen to the average household you know, once a year or thereabouts. Could be once every couple of months if you got kids. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they happen. Okay, I mean you, you know, come on, I. If, if you're not reasonably handy, I mean, I just changed out the defrost board in my heat pump over here, all right? If, if I'd had to call the HVAC guys to come do that, that would have been a $500 bill. Well, what's the, what's the minimum, if you have active kids, what's the, what's the minimum of uh, either three stitches or one x-ray in an emergency room? Oh, good, oh, good Lord. I mean, uh, you know, I, my daughter used to play soccer, okay? And I mean, it, 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 it was always the, you know, the dread was always, okay, you know, she gets stopped, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're talking about the peewee leagues, uh, you know, the little kids, they, they just kind of bounce off each other. But when you start getting into, into you know, the, the 12, the U12 and U14s, uh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get spiked, you get something. And it's, you know, right. it's, it's not serious. It's a couple of stitches or you get bonked in the, over the eye and you got to cut there or something. But, but what, what's the minimum you get out of an emergency room now? It's got to be a couple G. Well, I mean, yeah, especially if you're, you know, if your insurance bites and for most people these days it does. Well, yeah. I mean, your, your deductible is, is, right, uh, the deductible is big enough. I mean, you know, it's, it, 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 most, most people nowadays, uh, you, you take a trip to, to anything beyond the local doctor's office and, and you're talking about taking somewhere between a $2,500 and $5,000 whack. Yeah. And if it's you, you got a problem. And most, most people, their deductible is at least that, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, you know, the normal thing. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it was becoming a problem when I was running MCS in that we, like everybody else, were taking these huge increases 
in health insurance premiums. Okay, I mean, they were just, they were ridiculous. They were double digits every year. And the only way to get the number down was for the deductibles to go up. That was it. Yeah, oh yeah. And so, I mean, you know, as as much as you hate to do that, it, it if, if you're the employer, you really don't have a choice because there's no possible way that you could absorb, uh, you know, the, the average premium that you're paying uh, as an employer. I mean, yeah, okay, it's above the line, but still. You cannot absorb a change that's you know that's that's two three thousand dollars a year. You, you can't. Well, we had a uh, boy. He's, he's, he has to have been dead forever. Uh, Carl, an interesting story. If we ever have a beer someday, I'll tell you about this guy. He had a. He, he was like next to Keating. He might have been like the next biggest developer in Phoenix, the Phoenix area. I mean, he was he was one of the guys just smaller than him, but he kind of saw the handwriting on the wall and. Got, got, he, he sold like I don't know how many properties before the the, the resolution trust fiasco, and uh, so he uh, anyway. But he was originally from Columbus, Indiana, and moved out to Phoenix and had a, a I don't know what he what he did, but he had a factory of some kind in Columbus, Indiana, and he was saying that they paid all this insurance, paid all this insurance. This is how how times have changed. So I'm going to say this is in the late seventies probably somewhere in there, maybe mid-70s, that he's telling me about. And he goes, you know what we did is we, we told everybody, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to buy a, an insurance policy that uh, is, you know, high high end. So if somebody has a you know a baby that's premature or somebody has cancer or whatever, that that'll pay for, it was like a Lloyd's of London policy. Because for everybody else, we're going to take the difference of what we're paying for that and what we're paying now, and we're just going to put it in a bank account. And uh, if you go to yeah. the doctor, we'll just write the check. And he said that became the, the single biggest uh, profit center of the company. And he gave some incentive to people to either not, you know, to use the, the doctor on, on the grounds or the nurse on the grounds or something. Um, I don't think, I think in those days, though, Carl, and you know better than me, I, I suspect in those days he paid the same price at the hospital that the Blue Cross. There was, there was no such thing as a network and I don't think he got screwed at all by just sending somebody in and paying the bill. Where now, I don't, I don't think you can even do that, can you? What's it, two or three times what the, what the insurance company's going to pay? Well, yeah, it, it, well, and that's illegal, by the way. But it's, but, um, it, but it happens all the time. Well, not only does it happen, but nobody will prosecute it, which is why it keeps happening. I mean, it's, that, that's been illegal for over a hundred years. But it's uh, th- this is this is basically where the blow up is coming from, and you know you were talking about the debt and the and the issue that that rises with the uh, you know with rates going up, and I I can't tell you on on my forum I can't tell you how many people continue to maintain that the Fed will not period will not raise rates that what you're seeing right now you know this this quarter point it's a head fake it's BS. At the first excuse, they're going back to zero, and then they're going to QE to the moon. And I keep pointing out to people that, you know, okay, you know, look, you guys are not old enough, <laughs> okay? You folks that are, are putting this out there, you just are not old enough. You you do not, you think that because we've gotten away with this nonsense for the last 25 years, that we can keep doing it forever, and there is no point at which it breaks, and and that the people that Powell and, and everybody else I mean the, the stuff I heard out of Yellen uh you know in the last week and a half or so 
uh, she's out of her mind. She has absolutely no no reason to be anywhere near a government, you know, lever of power. And yet, you know, here's, here's Madam Treasury Secretary, right? But it, because she caused as much of this as Bernanke did. Oh, sure. And so, you know, for her to be to be sitting there pontificating about this stuff is is flat out insane. And that she was not instantly impeached by people on both sides of the aisle tells you everything you need to know about how much corruption is in our government right now. But this is but the idea that they won't do it is is just flat out crazy. And what I keep pointing out to people is that every nation that has gone down this road it has happened because there is no supposed you know, Chinese wall between the monetary policy and the government. Right? Supposedly there is here. Of course, we know that's a revolving door, and it's a bunch of nonsense. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, Yellen wouldn't be Treasury Secretary, right? Geithner wouldn't have been before. <laughs> but, but the reality is that they understand that every nation that's gone down this road has wound up with a destroyed government and civil revolt. And if that happens, and there there is not even the vestige of the rule of law left, I mean, you know, it, we it's it's commonly you know we have all these people talk about the rule of law, but the truth is, when you can get charged four times as much money at the hospital as the insurance company does, there is no rule of law. No, there is. It's the rule of it's the rule of stealing is basically what it comes down to. But with even the vestige of that gone, those people get eaten first. Why? And and why? Because they're the fattest cats. And so, if you're going to go screw someone, you know, and, and rob them and take their, who do you rob? You rob the guy that has something to rob. Well, you sound like Clyde Barker. Why do you rob banks? That's well, why I mean, money. you know, it's it, it's it's the old thing. You know, what what, what, what was it? Jesse James? Why, you know, why do you rob banks? Well, it's because where the money is. Oh, it's Jesse James. I thought it was Clyde Barker. <laughs> I'm, you're right. It was Jesse James. I got a wrong 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 name. <laughs> Yeah. Right, but I mean, you know, it's it's like why, you know, all these people that are all these people are so protected, and uh, you know, they've they've all got their own security details. And so, what makes you think that when those people those people with security detail can't eat, they're not going to frag their boss? Well, I this this whole concept of uh, I don't let's say I've been going through just boy, I never should have done this, Carol. I uh, what the hell's the name of this article I read? Please, for your for what sanity you have left. Uh, Fed fund rates history, its highs, lows, and charts, how the benchmark has changed through history. It's by, by an outfit called The Balance, whatever the hell they are. And uh, it was every year, every every change, who was, what the inflation rate was, what the GDP was. By the way, in like 1971, did they, did they, I don't think they factored out, they, they adjusted the GDP for uh, for inflation, did they, in those days? I don't, you know, I don't remember when the change. All right, so historically, it was called GNP, right? And I don't, and I'd have to go look at when that, when that delta was, you know, occurred. But it's it's one of the, the you know, the many times throughout history uh, that you know that numbers have been rejiggered, and then trying to compare old against new becomes impossible because the you know the denominator has been shifted. Well, I, wh- why do you think? I mean. We're talking about uh, 1972. Uh, here's here's a good one. March 21st, the Fed funds rate is 5.5 percent. The event Nixon devalued dollar, creating inflation. Yet last two years, you never read anywhere Trump and Biden devalued dollar, creating inflation. But that's exactly what happened, right? I mean, I mean duh. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, you know the the idea 
that what I heard out of Yellen's mouth the other day, she was, you know, she was doing the talking box thing on CNBC. And, and the, what, what came out of her mouth was, well, you know, we protected the common American from the bad things that happened to do, you know, that, that were going to happen during the pandemic. And, and I, I about, I spat my coffee on my keyboard. I had to take yeah. it apart, clean it. And, and the thing is, the, the pandemic didn't do anything to anyone. I, I mean, yes, if you got it and you got sick or killed you, obviously it did you, right? But the pandemic didn't create the economic dislocation. It was governments that created the oh, economic sure. dislocation and their response to it. So, so oh, by the way, you, your business is unessential. You have to shut down. You have to fire all these people. Oh, well, in order to keep those people from getting hurt, we're going to give them money, and we're going to give you money so you can continue to pay them even though they're not working. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't a virus that made that happen. No, here, here's a good one. Boy, tongue-in-cheek. Now we just went. Our inflation is allegedly what eight, eight, and when we really know it's more like ten or twelve, right? Right. And our, our well, funds, the, well, the PPI says it's double digits across, pretty much across the board on things you have to buy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But here we are, December nineteenth. Not that I'm living in the past. Uh, 1972, Fed funds rate was raised to five point seven five. Fed raised right. rate. Fed raises rate to combat a 3.4% year-over-year inflation, and they're at 5.75. We're at we're at 0.5 to combat what a 9% 9% year, duh. But I, but you know it, I, I don't I don't blame people for saying crazy stuff, Carl, because they're saying all the right stuff. It's just it's it's like I don't know what it's like talking about. It's, it's like talking about uh, you know you know. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. But when people talk about uh, inflationary expectations, well, the inflationary expectations are down because the yield curve says this. Carl, I, I think you have to throw away. What was his, what was his name? The guy who said, uh, "Once something becomes a target, uh, something law." The, the guy from uh, yeah, we had an ear from uh, Oxford. Good, Goodhart. A uh, good heart's law. Once something becomes a target, an economic target, it ceases to be any good as a as a index or something like that. Well, yeah. I, but how do, how do you look at the yield curve when the Fed is the yield curve? And it's it's not well. The that's well. That okay. So that's that's one of the the really serious issues that uh, that when you become a market, it's not a market anymore. Right. You said it better, and, and it's and it's you know it's similar to this. This we have allowed this to happen in so many places. We we have we allowed it to happen in healthcare. We allowed it to happen in energy. Um, you know the one of the things that came out of the Arab oil embargo, which a lot of people don't know, is that we exempted the oil companies from antitrust. And we did it under the rubric that, well, that's mostly other governments, and therefore we're not going to hold them accountable under the law that applies to everybody in the United States that would, would otherwise apply. So therefore, if you're an oil company, you can screw people with impunity, and it's not, and, and, and you know, in terms of price fixing, okay? Well, you say, well, wait a minute, the law says you can't do that, okay? That even attempting to collude to fix prices is a felony. It's not... Not not a get fined. It's a go to prison deal, right? And Congress actually passed this into law, 
and exempted government agencies and actors from those laws. And if they hadn't, we wouldn't have this problem with, with oil and energy prices because we'd say, hey, you know, you missed a Sultan over there, guess what? You can't set foot in the United States as an indictment out for your arrest. I uh, don't disagree. I, I I honestly think, though, that people look at Big Law, and, and uh, I won't say your girlfriend, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that to you. Uh, who's he, the, the, the strident one? Uh, Elizabeth Warren talking about you know excess profit taxes. Why why didn't she worry about excess profit taxes from Pfizer? I mean, you you could point a finger every time the market changes. It starts to rain. The guy selling umbrellas has excess profit, right? Compared to when it's not rain. I mean, that's that's part of the economy, and it's up to other people to say, "Holy bleep! That guy's getting eighty dollars a barrel from oil, and I got a place next right in the door. I better start drilling." We don't. We're not, we don't want a, the government to have to tell people the price of umbrellas went up. Go out there and sell some. Somebody should be thinking of that on their own, right? Is, isn't that what a, what a market economy is all about? That, well, yeah, but but remember, Chief, that what happened. Okay, so the reason you haven't had that happen within the United States with regards to to oil in particular and energy generally is that you had on the first day. The, the, for the first time in probably 20 years, a politician actually kept a promise that they made during the campaign. <laughs> okay. What happened? <laughs> Biden and Harris said that they were going to shut down drilling and they were going, and, and yeah. they were going to raise your cost of energy. And they promised to do this if elected. And on the very first day, Biden kept that promise. He killed Keystone XL. And yes, I know it's symbolic, but he did. And he started revoking permits and the permitting process, and deliberately slow-walking it. And it, this is exactly the same thing that Jimmy Carter did to the nuclear fuel reprocessing industry on the first day he was put into office. He said he was going to do it, that he didn't believe that we could have civilian nuclear power and it would be safe, we'd eventually all glow in the dark because humans are stupid. And, and that was his belief, and he, and, and he had the chops to actually make the statement, because he was a nuclear engineer. He went ahead and did it, and whether he was right or wrong, even though it was reversed later on, no company has ever made that investment again because the government has demonstrated that it will destroy that investment with the wave of a finger, and you're never going to get it back. Well, that's why I think the uh, and you know Trump to his whatever detriment or whatever I, when he when he did the tariff thing with with China, and we started to get some supply chain issues even back then. His just looking at the man, I'm not you know I, I'm not making a political statement here but just looking at the man anybody with an ounce of brains would say he's going to do this with the intention of being a big shot when he goes over to see z and if i if you and i start putting up a factory to uh you know to build something that formerly was made in china we're going to be two-thirds of the way through he's going to go over and cut a deal declare victory these tariffs are gone and we're shit out of luck i mean if you didn't think that way there was something wrong with you Right, so the idea of having any sort of uh, uh, constancy to these rulings—I mean, I, whatever side you're at—I don't mean I don't, and I'm, I hope I'm in the middle. The idea that every president that goes in there reverses all the stuff the guy before him did and does everything different on, the, on day one—that is not healthy. To me, in my mind, Carl, that is not healthy. Whichever. Well, it's the thing is, is that this is supposed to be something that doesn't happen because there's supposed to be a process that that 
you know, goes into place. And when it comes to major questions like this, for the most part, they're supposed to have to be supported by legislation, which, which prior to the 17th Amendment anyway, was deliberately slow walk and blocked from being shoved down states' throats. Now, not so much. And in addition to that, we have built we have we have built and allowed this this crazy concentration into one place. And, and you know, how do you feel about the executive? And, and, you know, this president versus the last president. Whether you hated Trump, you thought he was mean, or you know, what? what and, you know, you think Biden is is a Putin skull, and, uh, and I do. Uh, irrelevant to all of that is the fact that as soon as the next guy comes in. He ruins the investment that private enterprise has made in certain places, and he grossly benefits the investment that somebody makes somewhere else. And so the entire system is turned into a patronage and grifting game. And nowhere do you see more of it than in, in healthcare, in energy, and, oh, by the way, in international relations. And that's the entire reason we have this big kerfuffle going on right now over in Ukraine. Well, inconsistency, for sure. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily caused. We'll talk more of this after the break, because because Luke keeps telling me, and I'm sure he's right. I it's impossible for me to analyze Putin. He goes, I just don't think like he does. He goes, I'm going to think like an yeah. economist. He goes, he thinks like he's a czar. I mean, you you, you you're never going to understand his way of thinking, Chief. Don't even try. That's what he tells. You know what? I'm sure he's right. Crosby Futures down 25. Nasdaq Futures down 93. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures, the June Futures, the, the SPMs, which will be the only futures today as the marches ex- expire on the opening. Uh, the marches would be the SPH, the June's, the SPMs, are down 27.75. Same thing with the NASDAQ, down 98.50. Dow Futures down 175. Uh, the only big movers really are Federal Express and UPS took a hit last night. Federal Express came out with earnings. It seemed halfway decent. But uh, ouch on the stack, down $7, that's 3%. Not a huge move, but um, the earnings didn't seem bad, you know, but people people didn't like something. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 174.6%, Shanghai up 36, 1.1%. Hang Seng down a little bit, uh, down 88, that's 0.4%. Again, Hang Seng has been, Hang Seng has been amazingly volatile in the last, really, couple of months, but really the last week and a half. Over in Europe, we got the DAX down 192, that's 1.3%. FTSE down 48.7%, CAC around down 17, 73, that's 1.1%. They and the DAX are down quite a bit, FTSE not so much. Uh, as a wave review yesterday, third day in a row up, Dow was up 417, S&P up 53, NASDAQ up 178, mostly that occurring in the last hour. Uh, bonds, 10-year minus 3 basis points down to 2.16. Uh, Bund minus point, uh, two basis points to 30.36. Japan unchanged at 0.20, which it seems locked in on lately. Uh, oil down 17 cents to 102.81. Brent down 39 cents, 106.25. Natural gas down 8 cents, 4.90. Arbob down 5 cents, 3.16. Uh, gold down 440 at 19.38, but still in the mid 1900s. Silver down 20 cents, 25.41. Copper unchanged, 4.70. And, uh, Bitcoin, uh, down 386 at 40,458. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? I, tell, us, tell us again how Kentucky lost. I love hearing that. <laughs> you know, I didn't actually catch the game last night, but uh, I, uh, I I heard from you they didn't do too well. Well, they went into overtime, and I'm thinking, uh, now they're going to come back and beat these guys, but they did not. Yeah, well, it wasn't, lo- it wasn't lucky for them yesterday. No. It definitely wasn't. But uh, it's currently 7.35 a.m. on March 18th. Uh, first in sports, uh, last night, nothing for Chicago or Phoenix in the NBA, uh, but tonight expect the Chicago Bulls at the Phoenix, uh, at the home game in, uh, in down in Phoenix, uh, in, uh, in hockey. Uh, tomorrow night, Chicago Blackhawks at Minnesota Wild, uh, the Arizona Coyotes at the Pittsburgh Penguins. In the NCAA tournament, uh, tonight, Illinois at Chattanooga. And that's all we got for, uh, local sports right now. In uh, weather, though, it's changed a little bit in the last couple of hours. Uh, partly cloudy right now. Expect rain in the afternoon, though. It's very uh, Irish weather today. Yes. Uh, inspired by or Chicago weather, if you like. Uh, currently 41 degrees, uh, high of 44, uh, low of 37. Uh, in Phoenix, different story, mostly cloudy, sunny later on. Uh, 56 degrees right now, high of 83, and a low of 54. 
current traffic in Chicago. Uh, traffic eastbound on Eisenhower between Wedgwood and all the way to downtown. Traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between uh, 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 Cumberland all the way to downtown. Traffic eastbound on uh, K- Kennedy between Cumberland all the way to Lawrence. Traffic westbound on Kennedy between Lawrence all the way to Higgins. Traffic eastbound on Edens between Kimball Avenue all the way to the Sounds ramp. Sounds like there's I-29. traffic everywhere. There is traffic every which way you look in this city. At least we're not Los Angeles, though. They got no. more than us. If, imagine, this, imagine this report in Los Angeles. It, it would or Miami, yeah. At least five minutes long. Well, you know, they used to, uh, in, in, in uh, Arizona, before they put the, is it the 110 that goes around the place, car, or the 101, 101 of the somethings, they would, the traffic report was, because everybody's on essentially city streets or on Scottsdale Boulevard, the traffic report was how many red lights you had to sit through before you got to go and, like, uh, Scottsdale and Shea and Scottsdale and, so that, that was how slow you were moving is how many times, the red lights are like a mile apart, so it was how many red lights you had to sit to before you went through. It was an interesting way to do it. Just saying. Um, hey Carl, I got a qu- quick question for you. We've been, been kind of spinning around, the, you know, the Fed doing her thing and all kinds of stuff. But uh, the, the surprising thing for me, and again, uh, this, inf- this, these Fed numbers. This is definitely a fight between one group and another, right? And uh, yeah. and, and and I'm surprised, but you you can you can say all you want, not you personally, but the world can say all they want about how. Everybody yesterday was predicting inflation to be down to 4% by the end of the year. Or else you couldn't get on TV. You know, there's a couple of guys. Who's the guy who wears the bow tie? They don't let him on anymore because he, because he says the right thing. Nobody, nobody wants anybody saying the right thing anymore. So, but even if, even if at the end of the year inflation is down to 5% and we can argue about the shape of the yield curve and so forth, I think it's pretty obvious to virtually everybody but a, but a, you know, but a dingy that for this year, Carl, we're pretty much locked in at ten percent. You can argue with me and say it's nine or eight or seven, but it's it's up there, right? So why anybody would the market would ever be? I'm not talking about going out thirty years or ten years, even if you assume the Fed's going to have this all together. We're going out one year. How the hell is a, is a bank or somebody not paying somebody eight or nine percent interest? Why is our clearing firm not paying somebody eight percent for cash or PTI? We aren't. Nobody else is. Everybody knows. When is the population going to figure out that at the end of the year, if I have cash, I'm going to have 10% less value in my cash than I do right now? And I know the, the party line is just put it in the market. The market always goes up. market may not go up. You know, I mean, tell that to the people in Hong Kong. Um, I mean, this is – how long can we get away with this? Well, not very, and that's the, I mean, that that's, <laughs> the essence of the problem is that when you pay people to do something, you get more of it, okay? So if you pay people to borrow money, then you're going to get more borrowing of money. The problem is that what's being borrowed always is credit, it's not money, the difference is that money is something you have as a surplus from your economic activity, and credit is something you get with a promise to produce things tomorrow. The the issue that arises when you have a cost of, of borrowing that essentially makes time negative of negative value is that time never has negative value. And so you you have an exponential event that occurs because you are paying people to do something that, that has no economic sense to it 
and the more of it you do, the more money you make, you think. Um, <laughs> well, guess what? Those kinds of things are always runaways. They always create a runaway situation when they, and they have now. I mean, you, you take a, you take any exponential curve. I don't care what you start with. I don't care if you start with one penny and, and you put an exponent on it, a compounding function. To sit down with Excel, you play with it for yourself. Everybody that's listening can do this. It takes five minutes. You will understand exactly what's going on. The amount of time that has to happen, that has to pass before the line goes vertical is different depending on the scenario you put in, what exponent you have and, and such, and what you start with. However, the outcome is always the same, always. So you could either stop this or it blows up in your face. And, though it, and we are merely talking about when it's going to blow up in your face. We have thought there, there is an entire, at this point, it's two generations of people that, you know, the last time we had to, to stomp on this thing in the late 1970s, they were either children or they weren't born yet. Yeah, well, that's true. And, and so you have, you know, you take the average person who's running money for somebody Right now, I mean, I, you know, I know people that are in the finance business that are, you know, they're in their thirties and their forties, and they're like, oh, well, this is going to go, you know, this is, there's, there's, there's no end to this. This is, you know, just get in the market, just, you know, everything's going to be fine. Did you fail high school mathematics? Uh, I think a lot of people didn't it, have much math in high school these days. Well, it's, I, you know, I tell them, I say it's fine to say that you know when when the music's playing you you get up and dance right but the idea that this is not going to end that it that it can go on on a permanent basis is just pure bs it cannot and we are all we're arguing about is when it's going to blow up in our face not whether or not it will it will blow up in our well, face but how do you, i don't know exactly when it's going to happen but how do you con- anybody else how do you contrast that carl which i don't think anybody will certainly anybody that i've been around long enough I cannot argue against that at all, except if, if you were on national TV or they wouldn't want you or they wouldn't want me, the, f- the first thing they're going to say is, well, Carl, well, Chief, you've been saying this for five years now. It hasn't happened yet. What the hell? We're tired of listening to you. I mean, uh. Okay, well, all right, and you know what, you know what my answer to that is? In, in 1998, I sold my internet company and I got out of the market. And I was very active in it during the time that I was in there because being in the industry, uh, I obviously knew quite a bit about what was going on in the industry. Yeah, <laughs> okay? yeah, yeah. Because I was living it every single day. So, you know, when you're a CEO, you, you can't trade on the inside information you have that is non-public, but you certainly have an awful lot of knowledge in, ter- in general terms of what's going on within an industry. And therefore, in those places that are not directly connected to your operations, you can trade, and there's nothing illegal about doing it because it's all it's all public information. You just have your nose on the ground all the time because you're always sniffing to pick up the next cent. Now, if you got a job in Washington, you can do whatever you wanted. Well, yeah. Well, guess what? So I was a year and a half early, and everybody laughed at me all through 1999 as Cisco and everybody else you know, skyrocketed and did you know it doubled in price. And and a year after that, I was the one who was doing the laughing. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I, the the part you missed in retrospect is you didn't. Uh, you probably did not think clearly enough regarding the effect of the Fed pouring money into the system to defeat the Y two K nemesis 
because all that money went right in the stock market. The last gasp of that market was was the Y two K money, in my opinion. Well, I got back. I got back into it after that. You know, after that crash. Okay? No, but I'm saying because, that's, you that's know, you'd be crazy not to, right? But I'm saying that's why. Same, yeah, that's why the last few months of the upsurge really happened because of Fed money, just like this time. Oh yeah, and then you know, and then the same thing in 2007. I saw that problem coming. What originally set it off was the was the crash that happened over in China, and the overseas the Asian markets. It was very short term, but it was you know the first couple of months of 2007. And I said, "What the blankety blank is going on?" Then of course we had Bear Stearns, and it that was when I started looking at what was happening in the financial sector and the earnings reports. I, I caught several banks that were paying dividends with money they didn't actually have. They were paying them out of capitalized interest, and yeah. and that's not cash. And I, I said, "Oh, this this is not going to go on for forever." I mean, you know, do you get away with it for a while, yeah, but get away with it forever? No, you won't. And so the, the thing is that what we've done instead of making those people eat their cooking, and a lot of them deserve to go to prison for what they did during that time. Instead of doing that. We bailed them out. Okay. Well, that's that was a decision. But all we did was shove that cost back onto the consumer. And then businesses turned around and offshored more and more and more of their production. We have now hollowed out our production capacity. We've become dependent upon China and other nations. And, and China, in particular, is a huge problem because of the semiconductor issues. But not just there. Okay. It's all other manner of supply. It's something like 75% of all the generic medications that are consumed in the United States either have their precursors or their direct products made over there. What happens if we get into an actual no BS shooting war and China cuts that off? Uh, we got a problem. You know, it's Well, we're screwed. Well, just in terms of uh, the totality, I'm not... Well, I am going to talk about my city here a little bit. Uh, but just the totality of this... If you drive, you know, there's shells of buildings, but I could take somebody on a tour just of the south side, not even on the north side, because I don't know the south yeah. side better. And I could point out building after building after building where people, they did this, they did this, they did this. Those functions aren't even here. Nobody, I guess it's really hard even to understand how many functions you need, how many people have to be making pipe, drilling pipe, doing this to, to make a building go up, to make a house go up, to make a bridge go up. It, the the ancillary things that need to happen, the screws, the nuts, the the fastener of any kind of fastener. You can go by these buildings and who were all these people? I mean, they all they all did something that was needed for something, and they're and they're gone, Carl. I mean, I mean, they're probably maybe somewhere in some small town, someplace because Chicago, you know, become a horrible place to do business. But I think a lot of them are just gone overseas, Vietnam. Uh, China, Taiwan, you name it. But I mean, th- there's 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 hundreds of these shells of places that, that I don't think even younger people even understand the, the 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 totality of what these guys made cans for Coca-Cola cans. Where are those all made now? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they were right here. These guys did bottles. These guys, I mean, everything you everything that you used was made like around here, and they're all gone. I mean, there's some place. Yeah, it's and and that's yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, what we left the last half hour with was the thing about you know Putin essentially being a dictator. Um, I I I think Lou's wrong about that. Uh, in fact, I I would bet a large amount of money he's wrong about that. Uh, we we 
you know, as I said, when this when the hostilities first started, the first casualty of war is the truth, and the propaganda flies thick and, and heavy on both sides, always. You cannot believe a single thing that comes out of the media. I don't care which media outlet it is, and I don't care who's doing it. I don't care if it's RT. I don't care if it's it's Al Jazeera. It's it's CBS or CNN. It, it makes no difference. Everyone lies because that's that's part of the game when there's a conflict going on. But the thing that, that you have to, that I think people need to keep in mind here is that Russia has a bicameral legislature just like we do. Okay, the Federal Assembly. Putin has the full backing of his Federal Assembly with what he's doing right now. And if you think he doesn't, you're nuts. He does. There have been proposals that have come out of the Federal Assembly to nationalize the assets, and then this is now formal law that is being debated and, and potentially will go through their parliament, to federalize the assets of any country that participates in these sanctions and walks away from what they have in, in Russia and shuts down. You can't, Putin can't do that on his own. That's official recognition coming out of their legislature. If you think he doesn't have the backing of his legislature when they're debating those kinds of, of acts, you're nuts. Well, I don't, I'm not so sure that Lurie said he didn't. I, 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 was, I was pushing the other yeah, side. You know, there's the, the common thing that is run on all of the media over here in the United States and by our politicians is that he's a dictator and he's a madman. Okay? Well, he may be a madman. Right, that that remains to be seen, but the idea that he is a a you know he's a king, he's like you know the king of Saudi Arabia. Okay, you got to do whatever the blankety blank he wants. Uh, uh-uh. that ain't reality. He has the backing of his legislative body, and I'm willing to bet that he also, because he has the backing of the legislative body, he also has the backing of the vast majority of his citizens, and that is not the situation that you're being presented by the media in this country. That's, this, if we know. miscalculate on this, or he miscalculates on this, and we end up with a tactical nuclear exchange that comes out of this, the world's going to glow. Well, I, I, I'm, there's more to this than meets the eye. i got a, real, a more technical question. With all our alleged uh, sanctions and everything else, and of course we all know that laws can be bent here for the right people. All I know is early in the week, Russia had no ability, allegedly, or desire, or they were broke to pay this hundred million dollar interest that they owed somebody. And I'm sure part of the somebodies are here in this country. I, I, I have my suspicions who they might be, but I don't want to lob on the air. Uh, you know, I'm saying these, these big, uh, what do you, what do you want to call them? Investment companies now? I don't know. Well, J- well, JP Morgan processed the transaction. Well, that's, that's my point. How exactly did that hundred million sail through without a problem? And who did it get to that seems to have must have called Biden up and say, "Hey, twenty-five million of that's mine. Don't be holding this up, you idiot." Uh, well, well, here's the better question. I thought Russia was was forbidden from Fredwire. That's what I'm saying. Transfer it. That, that, that's 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 my question. Not only how did they get here, but who did they get to? Well, yeah. I mean, how how is it? That with all of these, all of these supposed actions that we've taken, uh, how'd that payment actually get made? Somebody didn't, you know, waft around with a stack of dollars on pallets like we did in Iran. That was that was processed through the standard clearing mechanisms that we have worldwide that do this. And I I thought, you know, we were told that that Russia was absolutely locked out of these things by the entire Western world. Well, guess what? 
Apparently not, because that money got paid. Well, Germany's still paying for the gas, right? Well, yeah, how are they paying for the gas? So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there is so much BS that's flying around with this right now. Uh, but I, I, the other thing that I have said when this began was that the reason that this invasion occurred is because Kamala Harris, our vice president, went over to Europe and directly solicited Ukraine to enter NATO. That's why the invasion happened. She did that a couple of weeks before the tanks actually rolled. And that is, that is why it occurred. And we have been agitating for this for the last 20 years, and we have known that that's, that, that, that is absolutely unacceptable, primarily because Russia has their 12-month deepwater naval port in Crimea. And that part of of property, that piece of property, has been Russian since the time of the Tsar. But, but they just took that, so, no, and it, nobody cared. I mean, nobody was going to take that back from them. Well, you know what? They do care. That's what they're trying to do, is defang Russia's military by taking that land and saying, it's not yours anymore. It's the same thing as, as you know, if we did the same, if, if Mexico did the same thing with San Diego, okay? It's crazy. And the, and the thing that I don't understand about people is that they think that this this is a completely illegitimate thing, okay, whatever. Fine, you take that position if you want, but then you tell me why it was okay for Lincoln to burn half the southern cities in the United States when the, when people in the southern states decided they didn't want anything to do with Washington, D.C. anymore. Um, it's always been an interesting, you know, you know where he allegedly got his authority to do that, where you couldn't leave? Was from the, uh, articles of, a conf- with the Articles of Confederation? Yeah, uh, not not really the Constitution. It was the the document before that that everybody signed. Right, but you know, but see, but see, this is the thing, Chief, is that Putin Putin said very early on, and he said before the invasion, he said that that it, you have to respect the fact that Crimea is Russian territory. Our naval port is there. We're not giving it up. That's the end of the conversation. I don't think it was yeah. ours before the United States existed. Secondly, you have actual no BS. Nazis, real ones, a couple of brigades over there in Ukraine who have been intermittently shelling people that identify ethnically as Russian in Donbass. That has to stop, and those people need to be stopped, period. End of discussion. And you have to, you have to put into your Constitution and your law protection for those people who, uh, identically, who identify as Russian, that they can use the Russian language, they can keep their culture, and you will not join NATO. Period. Why? You do those but things, I mean, there's no war. What? Well, guess what? He just got caught yesterday, yesterday or two days ago, on a phone call with the Turkish government, Okay, which, of course, we intercepted, because we intercept everything, right? So did they. And, and he put out exactly the same conditions to stop this. Well, is, is any of that unreasonable, Chief? You tell me, is any of that unreasonable? I, I think it's unreasonable to be doing what you're doing in today's age. I, uh, well, you know what? Maybe maybe so, but then again, was it unreasonable for the Azov brigades to be shelling Donbass? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on over there, and I don't know which side is... is, is it's like the Irish, who, who really shot the first one, the, the South or the Well, I'm just saying, I don't think any of it's, re- I don't think any of it's rational. Okay? Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of stupid to go around. But, uh, but the idea that all of this stupid is coming from one side I, is just BS. I, I, uh, 
other side of the story is that he wants the Soviet Union back together, and this has been a thing of his. It's almost the czarist approach. I think he could easily. Okay, then you know what? You know what? Then tell then tell me why he doesn't care about the fact that we admitted, and he, and he hasn't gone to war twenty years. Two thousand four, we put several former Soviet satellite nations into NATO, and we did it through formal treaty ratified by the Senate. I I'm, and there was no war. Okay, right, so, my point is he could, he could have probably taken these these two areas this time and said these people want to be with us. He could have, he could have, he could have stopped there, and the world would have forgotten about it by now, just like Crimea. You know? Well, except that they didn't. That's the the problem is is that they you know. Where was it? Where those two areas? The whole reason that he went in is because Zelensky said, "I want to ascend into the EU and NATO," and that means Western troops in Ukraine, five miles off the Russian border. I you know I don't I don't know enough about the logistics of that, but and the economic part, which Lou accused me of always thinking that way, the economic part is shoot it out 20 years and on one side you've got Europe with all their warts the US with all their warts but you've got an absolute gulag place where a, a hundred of the people make all the money as bad as you and I talk about here the, the one tenth of the one percenters getting all the cash Russia has to be exponentially that you know how many yeah people- you know what you know what chief you're right about that and that's and that's you know however there is another group of those people in the Ukraine. How did Zelensky get a billion dollars? This 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 whole idea of democracy. You and I both know. I mean, democracy in Ukraine is not like as bad as it is here. It's not like here. I mean, did anybody's well? The other, the other, yeah. And the other thing, though, to add to this is that you look at the GDP of Russia, okay, and compared against that of the United States and other Western nations, it's tiny, right? The per capita GDP. Ukraine's is a quarter to a fifth of Russia's. Yeah. So if you're a Ukrainian citizen, if you're in Ukraine and you and you've got a guy that's a supposed madman, but what he offers you is four times the per capita income that you have under your current government. You tell me how the good that sounds. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not there. You know, I, I don't know what I'm saying is, it, it, I don't know that I would I would I would hang my Economic horse to the Russian tree, where, where, they, where they're going back. They're not. They're not as big as Italy, for God's sake. But well, I, you know what? I, necess- I I don't know that I would either. Especially if the uh, and, and, but this is part of what stoked the conflict is that you had the people in Europe. You know, think about this from Zelensky's point of view. Okay, I can I can say that's okay for those these two eastern provinces, but now I have. A, you know, a tenth of my population that has four times as much money as all the rest, what kind of political problem does that cause me? Then, on the other hand, if I join the EU, my per capita GDP goes up by at least as much, but it goes up for everyone. And so that that's a political bonus. Gee, we didn't throw that into the mix well, when I, we were talking I, about I, this, did we? We only got 30 seconds. I'll just kind of finish up with this. We'll continue it next week. because. But I, I think if you... Everybody knows... You know, Hitler turned out to be a drug drug induced madman. Uh, yeah. Yet, and, I, and you can't have any soft spot in your heart for the man. Yet, if you ever go back th- and go through the Treaty of Versailles, you sit there and go, "God, the, the people on the other side of the table caused this war, right?" Well, well, see, but that's the thing is that you got to look at the economics yeah. of the matter yeah. 
And that, from my point of view, is, is I still where but I'm still not gonna, wants to go because you have to point at it on both sides. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I know you're bringing that up just because people don't know it, and we should know both sides. That's what we try and do on this show, and I thank yeah. you for that. But it, I don't I don't get to excuse Hitler. <laughs> you know, no, no. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and look, blowing people up is not, you know, is, is not something that you say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> but you, you're right. The reasons of it, the other side will always tell you there's been no reason at all. Yeah, what? There always is a reason, right? The other side was never good, was never innocent either. I mean, I think we both know that. Well, yeah. SP Futures down twenty nine. Carl, thank you. Have a nice weekend. I hope your team wins, whoever they are. Uh, Nasdaq Futures down one hundred five. Back on Monday. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.